So we're reading uh, Hebrews 12, uh, verses 4 to 13, which you can find on page 1211 in the Pew Bibles. That's page 1211. Hebrews 12, starting at verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood and have not completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who discipline us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Thank you very much, Joe. Well, we had no idea when we were preparing this series that the, Her Majesty the Queen would die. Uh, this week, just as we're getting going with it, certainly even as we started last week at the beginning of Hebrews 12, no idea that the Queen would die in the middle of the week. It's happened very suddenly, hasn't it? But in some ways, Hebrews 12 and 13 are very appropriate for this particular moment in our nation's life. Their message of perseverance in faith, very appropriate for this moment. Last week, Tom introduced us to how uh, we're following directly on in this series from the cloud of witnesses in chapter 11 of Hebrews, those who kept going in the faith. Well, in many ways, added to their number this week was Queen Elizabeth II, who showed every sign of keeping going in the faith up until the very end, until her 96th year. Lord Farmer in the House of Lords a few weeks ago uh, proposed that the epithets that we should remember the Queen by is Elizabeth the Faithful, which sums up that perseverance attitude of faithfulness. Uh, likewise, on Twitter, another epithet going around is Elizabeth the Constant, always constant in her duty, constant in her faith. It does beg the question, how does God cause his servants, how does he cause us, how did he cause Her Majesty the Queen to persevere, to keep going in faith? Well, one part of it that we see in today's passage from Hebrews 12 is that he uses hardships to do that. Maybe that comes to us as a surprise that he had used hardships. Don't they knock us off course, we might think? 
Don't they cause us injury to our faith? When we're struggling with financial stresses or unemployment or family strife, doesn't that cause hurt to our faith? When there's maybe even a death in the family or a death in the the nation's family like that of the queen, doesn't that cause us to lose our faith rather than to gain faith? Well, this passage tells us that actually those sorts of things can, perhaps counterintuitively, cause us to strengthen in our faith rather than to lose it as we fall back on God himself in those circumstances. Look at verse 7. Endure hardship, it says, as discipline. Endure, that's the imperative for tonight's uh, reading. Endure, keep going. That's, in fact, the theme in many ways of the whole of the book of Hebrews, uh, a sermon to us to endure in the Christian faith, to persevere, to run the race, as Tom was showing us from those first few verses of chapter 12 last week, much as the Queen did, as the cloud of witnesses did, as Jesus himself did, even unto death. But it's not just the negative there in verse 7 of endure despite difficulties you might face, but it's actually, interestingly, the positive of endure by the difficulties you face. Endure hardship as discipline. Difficulty is discipline. Well, hang on. There's another slightly counterintuitive thing that Hebrews is saying. I thought discipline was bad, you might be thinking. How is it helpful towards our enduring to have discipline? We've got difficulties coming away, and those difficulties we're now hearing are discipline from God. Well, this is making the Christian life sound very negative, very downbeat. Well, let's remember the context here is that difficulty and discipline, in this sense, follows grace. It doesn't precede it. These verses are addressed to those who are believers and an encouragement to them to keep going in the faith. The Christian message is entirely a good news one. Don't be put off in that way. God shows us his grace, forgives us in Christ if we turn to him. But then he wants to grow us. He doesn't want to just leave us where we are when we come to him. He changes us day by day to be more like the image of that son who died for us. And so he disciplines us. Likewise, let's not forget that often if we heard the word discipline, we and our society more generally may have very Victorian or Dickensian images that suddenly come into our minds. We live in a very instinctively anti-disciplinarian society. We think of the horrors of corporal punishments, of the ruler across the knuckles or the cane across somewhere else. Uh, Perhaps even in church, we instinctively react against it. We have very very little talk, don't we, of church discipline. We have uh, a complete breakdown for the last 150 years, really, of ecclesiastical church discipline, ever since there was a big dispute about ritualism coming into the church, which culminated in the, the 1890 Lincoln judgment. The Bishop of Lincoln himself was hauled before a church court, and suddenly the idea of church discipline got a very bad name for itself. I remember when I proposed tentatively as a, 
a rather young man um, discussing as a church youth assembly the subject of clergy discipline. I was told very sharply by the National Youth Advisor of the Church of England, based in, such, uh, in words that amounted to, back off, mate, nothing to do with you. Uh, let's not discuss something as negative as that in this context. And at the parish level, we have very little discussion uh, at a church level of things like Eucharistic discipline, um, even though often that can be necessary. We don't really know how we'd even go about doing that. But I wonder if in all of this we're sometimes conflating discipline with disciplinarianism, making a good positive thing into a bad thing by thinking of it in its twisted extreme formats. Without any discipline whatsoever, we simply have permissiveness and licentiousness and laxity. We have a world and a church without any boundaries. We all need boundaries, whatever age we are. We need them to be enforced proportionately, not disproportionately. And so Hebrews chapter 12 is very positive about discipline. You might have noticed it comes up as a word 10 times in our passage. You certainly couldn't miss by the end of that reading that we just had that the passage is going on about discipline. It starts off with that quotation that we had read more in full for us from Proverbs chapter 3 and then goes on to expound it in the light of the gospel. God's discipline, this passage tells us, gives us three really wonderful really positive things. Assurance, verses 7 and 8. Respect for God, verse 9. And holiness towards him, verses 10 and 11. All reasons to endure, to keep going, to persevere in the Christian faith. Endure because God's discipline gives us assurance. Look at verse 7 and 8. God is treating you as his children, For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. It is wonderful, and it is a key part of the Christian good news, that God is a father to us. Fathers provide leadership in a family, protection to their children, comfort, provision, and discipline. Verse 8 invites us to the negative consideration. If you are not disciplined, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. In other words, it's essential to the nature of a father that they discipline. Without discipline, there is no father, simply a benevolent patron or a powerful friend. It's tough for any child to feel discipline, but they're the one receiving it. They're not just fending for themselves if they receive discipline. They're being parented. When Christians face hardships, God is not abandoning us, but instead God is discipling us and giving us confirmation through that that yes, We do have a father in heaven. He is there and he does care for us and he is acting for us. Occasionally in the village, I go for a a walk around, sometimes walk onto the whale recreation grounds. You might have noticed, uh, certainly if you're a 
of village residents that the little play area on the village wreck is called the Millennium Play Area. Presumably it was made in the Millennium. I certainly wasn't here to see that happening. And sometimes I'm walking past there, I see children on the Millennium Play Area who are squabbling with each other and having a bit of a fight. Uh, I'm, I'm very unlikely to intervene in those squabbles and fights unless it's a really serious fight and there's obviously nothing going on to it. stop it. It's like uh, somebody pulling somebody else's eye out or something like that. Because I'm not their father. I, I don't, it's not up to me to discipline children who are having a squabble in the play area if I'm just going along walking a dog by the side of the rack. But generally, the kids in those, that play area do have parents. They do have a father. And they will... Discipline them. Rufus, stop pulling your sister's hair. Petunia, stop throwing mud at your brother. And so on. Well, in the same way, we as Christians have a parent, a heavenly father, who does discipline us. If we never felt hardship, if we had it easy in our Christian life, all the way from conversion to the grave, then... That would not be confirmation of a blessed life, as it were, but that would be evidence, rather, of orphanage, of abandonment, of God not wanting us to change, God not caring enough for us to be changed into Jesus' image. We all will, by contrast, however, face hardships, whether family strife or professional frustrations, mental or physical illness, ostracism for the sake of our faith because we do have a father in heaven who disciplines us who is training us and that shows that we are legitimate that we do really have a father in heaven secondly endure because god's discipline merits respect look at verse nine moreover we have all had human fathers who disciplined us And we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? In the heat of the moment, we often won't think, I really respect my Father for disciplining me like this. We're much more likely, in fact, to think, I hate this. Maybe even, I hate my Father for disciplining me like this. But often on reflection we'll realise that it was for our good. We'll realise that the parent who disciplined was making an effort there. They were showing care. They were showing love. They were bothering to impart values and to control boundaries. And therefore, they're worthy of respect. How much more, verse 9b, should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? How much more worthy is God the Father of our respect. He bothers to discipline us. And that leads to respect, not ignoring him. It leads to submission to him, not rebellion to him. God's discipline is a reason to love him, not to reject him. How much better it is to have a heavenly father who cares to correct us when we go wrong than to live without any such provision. It will not surprise you to learn, that, however well or not well you know me, that I certainly was disciplined as a child. I was not a perfect child. For what I was disciplined, well that's none of your business, that's for me to know and you to wonder, but 
rest assured, I did have a father who disciplined me. And I'm pretty sure I did resent that discipline uh, most of the time. But in hindsight, I can testify, I certainly am grateful and respectful of that discipline. He bothered. He cared enough. He was there for me. And not all of us will have had that measured experience of fatherly discipline. Certainly some fathers go far too far, far too heavy-handed, and they do way more harm than good in disciplining. And at the other end of the spectrum, others will have had fathers who are totally absent from their lives and weren't there to provide any discipline or boundaries. And if that is your experience, I'm profoundly sorry. But the good news, the wonderful news is that all of us can have a heavenly father who is perfect in his discipline. Never too lenient, never too harsh, because he knows us perfectly and he's always there for us. He never gives us hardships beyond that which we can bear in our faith. The struggles that he sends our way or he allows to be sent our way Give us assurance, as we've said, that we do have a father. Give us respect for him, that he's there for us. He bothers with us. How it generates those results is often difficult to tell, though, isn't it? I was thinking back uh, during this week about how the Lord has used difficulties in my life to bring about those results for me. I was particularly thinking back to about 2009, which is a very difficult year for me when I was new to... London. Uh, When I was living down there, I was feeling very lost. The course I was doing at the time wasn't going very well. My career plans were slightly in a ruin. I was struggling with the expectations that were being placed on me by all sorts of different people and with my own sense of pride. How did all of that, that experience, that difficulty, lead to assurance that I have a father in heaven? Lead to respect for him as a heavenly father disciplining me? Well, it's very difficult in many ways to see the one-for-one correlation of particular experience to particular area of growth in Christian life. But certainly, in the broad sweep of things, I can testify that my faith did grow, in particular at that time, a huge amount. And I'm sure many of us have, have had a very similar experience. We can't quite put our finger on exactly how God has used hard times to grow us, but we know he has done. And we can trust that God will continue to do so because his word here in Hebrews assures us that he will. Thirdly and finally, let's endure in the Christian faith because God's discipline imparts holiness. Verse 10, human fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Outcomes number one and two that we've talked about, assurance of God's fatherly care and respect for him, are both certainly parts of what we might call holiness, the bigger part we might call holiness, But there's so much more to holiness than those characteristics. Holiness affects the question of our ambitions, our lifestyle, all of our relationships with all sorts of people 
in society. We do grow in that holistic holiness as we learn about God day by day, week by week, year by year. And likewise, we grow in it as the Holy Spirit works in our hearts as believers, sanctifying us. But we also grow in holiness by discipline, by experiencing the hardships of life. Will, none of us, meet with many very kind, well-mannered, courteous people who haven't been trained for that in many ways, in many different experiences of their life. Discipline is often the thing that changes us for the better as we learn good and bad. I said uh, I wasn't going to tell you about any details of myself being disciplined as a child, but I'm going to let you into one now, actually. It was an occasion which I certainly is a source of great shame, and I certainly wouldn't repeat now, thanks to the lesson I learned. But I was heading for a corridor when I was about, I think, 10 at school. I could see a teacher coming the other way. I knew that it wasn't big enough, the entrance into this corridor, for both of us. But I was in a bit of a hurry. I barged ahead, and I pushed my way past him, which was not a good idea, because he, he was a big chap. Anyway... I got sent immediately to stand outside the staff room, which was kind of uh, one of the key punishments in that particular school. Oh, the shame of having to stand for half an hour outside that staff room. Intense embarrassment. I can tell you, as I alluded to already, I never did that again. Never tried to barge past a teacher into a corridor again. It didn't seem pleasant at the time, as verse 11 says but it produced a harvest of righteousness. I was being trained by discipline. I wonder what life is throwing at you at the moment, or about what it might throw at you in the near future. What might it throw at us collectively as a church family? Maybe another pandemic. That would be pretty awful, wouldn't it? Or as seems very likely, economic meltdown, or equally likely an ever more pluralistic society where outreach is ever more of a grind and a slow process. God is using all such experiences to produce a harvest of righteousness, even where we don't see exactly how he's doing that in the moment. Therefore, as verse 12 says, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. In other words, as verse 7 says, endure hardships as discipline. As Jesus himself did before us, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Much as Her Majesty the Queen followed her king in doing through her life. Stop there and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're addressing us here as legitimate sons and daughters. Thank you that we know our sonship, our daughtership, because of the difficulties we face, the trials, the temptations, the struggles. Thank you for growing us through those experiences, for changing us more into Jesus' image. Continue that work, we pray, until you bring us at last to our eternal home. In his name, amen.